0: how I was living with that fear and how it was impacting my ability to, you know, really show up for myself and in my relationships because I had that constant, like, you know, you're trying to prove yourself. You're trying to like get external validation because you have no internal self-worth.
1: Hey, you are here for the bonus episode, Empowering Women Wednesdays, which is just like my vision for where this podcast continues to head because it, it continues growing and infusing new voices into our community and keeping all of us pushing and growing and wanting more. I can't even. And today's guest does not disappoint. Dr. Cassandra LeClaire I am so here for your work and the words of wisdom that you dropped on all of us. And I cannot wait. I can't. I don't even want to. I'm putting it out right after I record this. I can't keep this from you seriously. And the little nugget that played before this, that's like just the tip of the freaking iceberg. This woman has seen it. She is healed from it. She has moved on and she is living in the work that she is doing today. And oh my gosh, the most truth bombs, the most impact that I could hear and bring on this show. And she's just talking about who we need to be and how we show up. And if, if that work, that self work is worth it. And she is a testament to all things. Yes work on yourself, pull back, say no, say no. Hey, why don't you say no once in a while? Just try it, right? And she even talks us through that. Beautiful stuff. I can't even. Okay, so listen, it's long. It's beautiful. It's exploratory. It's uh, amazing. My mind will be forever blown by these guests, and so I will continue to bring them on. She's healing, she's happiness, and she is hope. Enjoy. Hey, welcome here today. I'm so excited because this is like our fourth Empowering Women Wednesday, and I am telling you that the guests just keep getting better and even more mind-blowing I can't I can't even imagine this world that I'm in right now because this is like everything that I always dreamed of and I'm making new friends every day and everyone that I interview on this podcast is going to become one of my friends you understand this and I should probably put that in the like booking agreement you have to be my friend after this um but i haven't yet but i probably will after this and okay so we have today's guest and i want you to go ahead and tell all of us why we should be obsessed with you okay (laughs) because i already am
0: (laughs) well i am definitely excited to be your friend so i will sign that dotted line that is fine um i think people should be obsessed with me because what my whole mission in life is is to help other people feel good and to feel better about where they are and who they are and themselves and their relationships so i think i can bring that positivity and that energy and i think that especially when you look at the world right now we all need that we all need somebody who can make us feel like they can do any like we can do anything and i'm that person
1: oh (laughs) Girl. Okay. And she totally is. We've been talking for probably about a half an hour before this, and we're going to go way over our book time. So I hope you don't have anything, Um, but I, I'm with you on that. We talk a lot about making sure that you secure your feet. So the people that you let into your world, whether it's, it's just, you know, in the physical space, but also in this new reality that we live in, which is social. So you have this ability to, create the life that you want. And so being conscious of who you let in there um, is super important. So tell me about your background, how you got to this place, how you're doing this work that you're doing today. So I, I grew up
0: in South Dakota. So I was so excited to Woo. Midwest, Carolina, Midwesterner. <laughs> and I went to school to become, I'm a communication studies professor. So I went to school so I could teach about feelings and relationships and, you know, I love that piece of it, but one of the things that I really struggled with was my own feelings and my own relationships, you know, so it's interesting, like many people, you know, you can help other people, but you're not, you don't know how to do it for yourself, you know, and so I, I went through my life just kind of feeling that anxiety, feeling that struggle, not understanding why I couldn't, couldn't just be as happy as I knew I could be, and so then, um, a couple of years ago, actually, it was in 2018, my family was hit by a drunk driver. And after that accident, even though we were physically fine, mentally, I, I was so just distraught. And I felt this fear and this anxiety all the time. And what happened was, is I started to have all these these memories that continued to grow increasingly stronger that I could no longer push aside and so in that moment, I had to go back and really confront the fact that I was, I was sexually abused when I was a child and I never told anyone and I never talked about it. And so the point of that, like the point of me bringing all of that up is like what I'm doing now, that hard work I went back to heal and do, I could have went my whole life and never done it. I was fine, you know, but because of that one accident, that one thing, it took me to a place where I just felt shattered. And so I think that that's what happens to a lot of people is that we have a, a crisis or a trauma or a stressor that maybe shouldn't be that big of a deal or doesn't seem like that big of a deal if you think about the rest of your life, but you never know what's gonna make a person feel like they're broken or feel broken. Mm-hmm. And so from that moment, when I went back to heal the traumas and really look at my own life and look at my own patterns, I started to recognize the ways that I needed to do more of what I taught my students, how I needed to do that for myself and how I could do that for myself. And so now I get to just live a different life. You know, that happiness that I wanted, that pushing away that fear. I don't have to work so hard at it. I still work every day to be healthy and happy, but I don't. it's not so exhausting anymore. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So talk to me about that trauma. So I know a car accident and especially drunk driver, like there are a lot of layers to that, but how did that trigger, how do you think that that kind of triggered this moment? And did you ever feel like people were confused by it? Cause you know, oh, you, sure. <laughs> you had said like, you, even though physically we weren't hurt, you know, mentally I had shattered and uh, talk to me a little bit about that, like the, the trauma you felt from that obviously mentally was huge. How did you get past the fact that nobody else thought it was a big deal? I think, and that's what
0: was, you know, people obviously could recognize that it was, you know, a shock and a surprise and a trauma, but they, I knew my, I knew my reaction was not matching the situation. And I mean, that is the some of the benefit to the fact that I've been through therapy my whole life because of all that anxiety I talked about. And I've had other situations where I've had to deal with it and I talk about feelings and relationships. So like, I am lucky in that moment, I knew, I was like, oh, this is not about the accident. you know. And so I'm so, I'm thankful for all that other crap I went through that brought me to that realization, right? All that. We all. Right? But so I, I shut down basically, you know, I have kids, so I still had to raise my children. I still had to go to work. I still had to go do all of my things, but I quit social media. I stopped talking to a vast majority of friends because anytime we talked about anything, I was like, you could hear it in my voice. You could feel it. I, I sounded frantic. I know I did, but I couldn't, I couldn't not sound frantic because it was that inside and it, what it was mainly then is like, I knew I needed to deal with the abuse. I knew I was going through all of those things, but I was not ready to talk about it. So I could not yet say to you, Hey, I'm feeling this way inside because of this. So it was easier for me to not talk to people in that time. So that I could really, I had to draw inward and really go through those steps, especially because my job is very extroverted. I am constantly talking. So it was really important in my social spaces, like to isolate basically, and really give that time to myself, which was hard and not everybody understood because again, I didn't tell people I have to do this because of the abuse. I just kind of was like, I'm out,
1: <laughs> you know, Bye.
0: Yeah, I was like, nice knowing you. And so, um you know, I would say like, I'm going through something or I'm working on something, but not really explaining it. Cause I couldn't, I really couldn't. And that's, so that's why this is so important to me too, because like the trigger, you know, back to your original question is after that accident, I was just scared, but what it was is it wasn't a fear. It was a deep fear that I knew, but from before. And it's that fear of like some of it was, you know, somebody else's actions and choices just upended my life and I had no say and no, you know, so some of it was that it triggered some of those kinds of things. Like I did everything I was supposed to be doing and somebody can swoop in and crush it. And so some of it, I had to really confront that. Some of it was also just like, say this, this um, panic, my stability needs skyrocketed all because of that fear, you know? So all of the sudden that's also why I maybe didn't, you know, go out as much or do as much because I wanted to control my environment. Mm -hmm. I wanted to try to keep myself safe again. And so that's when I was like, oh, this is so much deeper. You know, I just, again, it was that own awareness, like, okay. And so what I realized then too, is how so much of my life, you know, we start with these safety coping mechanisms when something bad happens to us you know, because we feel safe, but then oftentimes we hold on to those patterns well after, mm-hmm. you know, the trauma has subsided and we don't realize then that we're keeping ourselves in those patterns, you know, so just some of my ability to start talking and opening up about what had happened to me was really letting go of that idea that I had presented to everyone, which was I'm good, I'm fine, and really owning up to the fact that like, I'm not fine, I'm not good, and so, yeah. yeah.
1: And that's such a scary shock to the system, especially especially as women, you know, we just show up regardless. Like you said, I'm going through all this crazy stuff, but I still got to work. I still got to keep food on the table. I still got to raise these babies. Like I don't have a choice. And so how do you shut out? And I think some of my major self-growth actually fell in line perfectly with covid 19 and lockdowns because i didn't have the ability to escape the silence like i had every single day prior to that and so i knew that i needed to go deeper get quiet dig all the way in and really go back and i think if that had never happened i don't know that i would have made the shifts that i'm in right now because You're right. It takes silence. It takes removing yourself, especially when you still have to perform. Like Mm -hmm. you still had to show up and teach and you still had to show up and mom. And so not being able to shut that off, you have Mm -hmm. to have time to shut something else off. And so that often looks like social because we can't all just quit our jobs and send the kids to grandma's for three months. Like well, exactly.
0: And the other thing I had to do, I, and this one sounds
1: weird to people, but Ooh, I, had I love, to- I love when we <laughs> start anything with that.
0: <laughs> yes, I had to stop. I had to stop helping people. And that sounds like you're like, you, what, you stopped helping people. And I did because what I was doing is because I do want to help and I naturally want to help, or if I see somebody in pain or hurting or with a problem, my go-to is instantly like, yep, yeah, what can I do? How can I help? I, without even thinking about it. And then I will go on and I'll be overwhelmed and I'll be busy and I'll get resentful at somebody for something I agreed to, right? And so like, I had to like also start saying no and stop helping people or saying, you know, that sounds like a wonderful opportunity, but it doesn't fit with my life right now. Or you know, and, and that was so, so hard. And so when people ask me, they're like, well, how did you find the time? I don't have time. Cause that's what everybody loves to say. They're like, well, I don't have time. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. You had that that time. It's like, well, one of the big things I did was, and I've said this to people, I'm like, I see you volunteering. I see every board you're on. I see every time you show up. And every time you show up for somebody else, you are taking away from the time you could show up for yourself. And if you're okay and you're good, then do that and keep doing that if that's what sustains you and fulfills you. But if you are not, then you need to take a hard look at where you are saying yes and where you are showing up because there are probably some spaces where you're doing it because it's easy and it feels good. It feels good to help other people. Right. but it feels like when, but when I would help myself, it made me feel crazy. Right. So it's like, Oh, I'll help you. Cause then I don't have to deal with my own stuff. Right. And so like, that was a big, like you say, I know it sounds weird, like stop helping people, <laughs> but, but like but for real,
1: you point out, you point out such an important fact. It's like, do you have capacity to help other people? Not just from a timing standpoint, from a mental standpoint, can you really take on other people's pain. If you haven't dealt with your own, it, you can't, right. You can't keep healing people. If you aren't willing to heal yourself, you're not going to, you're not going to end up on the right side of that work. Right.
0: Right. No. And that's what is like, I think it's so important that people who are, who are, you know, helping others and healing also that we, all of us acknowledge our own space in that and the own things that we've went through, because I do find it very damaging when people present this like, oh, I have it all together. I can help people or I'm good. When then they have all this stuff that they haven't dealt with or this internal work, or you can see it. And I think that does more of a disservice to people because people, you know, when they want help, especially when somebody's really struggling, they will cling to your words. They will want that, you know, how can I do this? And so if you make it sound easier, you may, you present as though like you have all the answers without also acknowledging like kind of how you got there or the things, those kinds of things. I think it's, it's not as helpful as what you maybe think it is, right? Or, right. or to them, but then also to you, because you're not actually like, we can all spout off advice all day long or point out people's problems in their relationships or what have you. But it is, it's it's harder to acknowledge those things for ourselves. And so we don't often do it or we want to blame other people or, you know, point out their faults and things like that. But it's like, I just can't express enough how, if you're willing to do that and really dig in a little bit, every other space in your life, every other relationship feels better. You know, like even relationships I thought were good before because I was, you know, helping them. Now it's like, also more fulfilling for me on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And for them too, I think it's more enriching. So it's like, you know, giving that time back to yourself. Now, when I am giving time and space to friends or organizations or whatever, I'm there. I'm not there thinking about my other crap. I'm not there being pissy that I'm missing something out. I'm not there, you know, I'm there, I'm present and that's better for all of us,
1: you know? right oh is it a <laughs> i mean being there? not running through a list of things you know when we're showering or trying to pretend like we're getting me time like it's really important it's really important work and so talk to me about timeline because everybody's timeline is different and what i don't want everyone to leave because like my healing from my past and you know, I started this podcast really with this idea that I didn't have this big a trauma. And so there was nobody out there telling that story. Like, how do you just heal yourself from just fine? Like, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Right. Like my life was just fine, but there was something, some reason why I didn't believe that I could do more, that I was worth more. And so the podcast really is that story from the beginning. Like here's how we're going to heal from it. I don't know. Crazy stuff happened. We all got through it. Um, But it is, it's about that journey, that movement to what's better. So for me, that was every day working on that in some form or fashion. My, my instance of a journal, the podcast, um, and just talking it out day by day. And then I think COVID sped me up on that discovery um, because it was just massive downtime of quiet. But what was your timeline like? I know 2018, that's kind of the line in the sand moment. What'd your timeline look like? You know,
0: I, I think I have to acknowledge the fact that I've been, I've been going to therapy for many, many decades. You know, I, I have had other instances in my life That I've been very open about I have lupus I had to go through that journey I've been divorced I had to go through that journey I had infertility I had to go through that Mm -hmm. you know so there were always pockets like that but I when I got to this 2018 moment the thing I said was that I feel like I've halfway healed and now I want to be all the way whole because I was always working on things so I was always reading self-help books doing things teaching my classes but I was never healing the right things I just wasn't, I mean, I was not healing when I, but I also wasn't ready to it. And so I say that like, I think I was stubborn and I've had all those things happen to me because they were all trying to push me in this direction of like, mm-hmm. Cassandra, wake up, Cassandra, notice us, Cassandra. And I wasn't. And so it took me to that point. So that's where I'm saying, you never know what it's going to be, what it's going to, what your car accident, what it, whatever that's going to be for you. And so then that was 2018. And I went, that, so now it's 2020, you know, so I, I did that and I still do it. It's not done. I'm not done. And right. that's, I think the important acknowledgement for me is like, I've only scratched the surface of where I know I can go. So now the healing work, it's not scary to me at all. It's exciting. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm going to, I get to learn about myself more and grow further and deepen my connections and my awareness of myself. And so like, I think a, something to definitely not do is is don't look at somebody else's path and say, mm-hmm. and, and try to put yourself on any timeline. And also, even when you think like, cause this happened to me in the beginning, I'd be like, oh, I'm so good. I'm solid. I've got this. And then something would happen and I'd get triggered or I'd spiral or an event would happen. And then I'd, I'd kind of go back to that space where it's like, I thought I was better, but I guess I'm not. It's like, don't do that to yourself because right. the fact that you're in this and you're acknowledging it and you're working on it you are better in each moment. And there, you know, it's life. Like you said, there's gonna be tests, there's gonna be trials, there's gonna be stress, even if nothing happens to you, okay? Also get rid of that. Something is happening to you every day, okay? It doesn't have to look like what anybody else looks like, right? And so just really acknowledging that and recognizing that like your path is going to look different every single day. And that was, that was, it sounds so easy when we say it, but it was hard for me. I compared myself or I'd see where other people were or I'd get mad at myself. You know, I wasn't doing it right. I wasn't healing fast enough or whatever.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think the healing fast enough, you know, that's what I always try to come back to is like, okay, this took every day for a year doing crazy stuff for me. That doesn't mean that that's going to work for you. And that doesn't mean that you know it's 2018 and you had this moment sometimes there are just these things that shake us to our core and force us to never look back and whatever that is for you um yours was a car accident whatever that is for you you're right if we aren't listening we'll get another blow that's kind of what stinks right (laughs) like when you look back at all of those things, do you really believe that those were kind of calls for this type of thing?
0: Yeah, I do. Because, like, even when I think about my lupus and I think about my autoimmune, you know, I got I w- got so sick that I was on disability. I was on um, I I did several experimental treatments. I was in a bed for a long time. I had I was fed through a tube. You know, I, I that was my life and i fully firmly believe especially after reading more about trauma and everything too that you know all of those autoimmune diseases and i think this is also why they're so much more prevalent in women is that you know that trauma it it changed my body it changed my body's response to things it changed my you know nervous system my immune system and holding on to that and never dealing with that and just having that accumulation over and over throughout the years absolutely 1000% i believe made me physically ill mm-hmm. you know and so i think had I been open so but here's the key about it like I think if I had even been able to tell even my doctors about my path, because I didn't I really didn't some of them are very 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 good I think they would have said okay I think this might be playing a role in some of your things you know I think this might be playing a role in your lupus or what have you but I didn't ever make that connection you know I didn't ever think about the ways that all those emotional things were residing in my body and making me physically ill.
1: Right. Yeah, and and health systems by and large, I mean, their role is is really quite clinical and some of them, you know, bridge outside of there, but they're not going to look at you and go, "Well, this is this lupus is probably caused by this trauma." There there's right. just not oh. a, in there so that's what's hard you know in going down your own path and those signs it's crazy right when you look back and you connect all the dots and you go why wasn't I just listening because I think personally they the less you listen the harder the lesson mm-hmm. um, oh and, yeah <laughs> I mean do you believe that do you think that's true too I think I do. And I think,
0: you know, I look at, I like it too, I look at, like I say, all the different things that I went through, you know, then being on disability and my divorce and the things that I had to go through with my kids. And I think that, yeah, everything just felt harder. You know, I mean, with the lupus, I lost my job. I had to cash my retirement out to pay medical bills. Like I went through this huge identity crisis. But I thought the identity crisis was about, oh, I'm not, I can't work at my job anymore. And that was a piece of my identity and I'm sad about that. And that was a piece of it. And I worked through all that, but it wasn't working on all these other things, you know. And so I definitely think that every, you know, every test got a little harder and, and got and made me more frantic too. It made me feel more, you know, unstable, it made me feel more, more crazy. Cause I, you also get to a point where you're like, well, I've been through all this other stuff. Why can't I just handle what's happening? You know? right, right. And, and so I think that, you know, the way I reframe it now or think about it now is that the work I'm doing in the ways that I can relate to people, it may have taken me every single one of those steps and those tests, but now I really do have so much more understanding for a bunch of different situations. I mean, trust me, I I wish I wouldn't have had to get to it this way, (laughs) but I do, like I get it. I get why during this pandemic, why it was so hard for people when you're losing your jobs or what that feels like to be home. Cause I was in a place for years where I couldn't go do things and see people and had no contact. And I, you know, had to worry about my health exposure. And so I know why some of the, that isolation and those things were difficult and that fear. And, and, and so like, I was able then to show up for my friends and people in the last several months in ways if I hadn't dealt with my own trauma, I never would have been able to show up. I would have been. Even my kids are like, "Mom, can you imagine if this would have happened like before you did all this?" I'm like, "Oh no, we would have been so stressed out because I would have felt frantic. I would have felt. I mean, I can. I'm just picturing it, and it would have been bad. <laughs> like, like, wait,
1: I don't want to see that. I don't yeah, wanna- like. No, but they- <laughs> so yeah. So you had said something earlier about how the car accident kind of took away your control. You listed a couple of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you feel like that feeling is related to your first trauma with the abuse? Do you think that that's why it triggered it? Because it was a similar removal of power?
0: Yeah, I think think completely it was that, you know, that feeling like... uh, it was unfair and I knew that that shouldn't have happened, you know, and I was, and so it was that, it was like, I, all of a sudden, I really felt like I got punched in the stomach and I was like, I didn't do anything. Like, why did this happen to me? And, and it was, it was that, I mean, really, And like, cause just even saying that now I can remember how it felt. Right.
1: I can feel the emotion voice. I can see it in your face here on video. Like I'm getting emotional hearing that. I can feel that coming from you Mm -hmm. of just like, why, what, how, how does this happen? Okay. So talk to me about the steps you took to heal. Um, What did you do?
0: You know, I, I tried to do all the things that I had done before. You know, I actually really, I told the, um, I went in and I, after the accident, I was so anxious. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get anti-anxiety meds. I'm going to go to therapy. And, but I knew it was next level. And so I admitted about and talked about the abuse and, and said that, but I was not in a position where I had a lot of money at the time and psychiatrists and counselors were out of my budget. I'm a single mom. I, and so I went to community mental health and I would go and I would sit in the waiting room for hours until I could be seen. Well, so anyway, I asked for a trauma therapist and they didn't have one available. I mean, they just didn't. And that is no fault of their own. That is a fault of our mental health care system, a fault of funding. They did. That was not a slam on them. So I I was like, what what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. And so I'm really fortunate um, in the sense that I, like you say, I had went through a lot of, um, you know, trauma and healing periods before. And some I teach about abuse. I teach about some of these things. And so I did a lot of journaling. I, I went and I, anytime I felt any sort of something, I was writing it down. If I wasn't in a position to write stuff down, I just grabbed my phone and I do voice notes into my phone mm-hmm or I'd be driving a lot of times when I'd be driving, cause I'd commute to work. Um, you know, I'd have something would come up or I'd think of something. So I would just like do an audio thing too to my phone, because what would happen then is, you know, after the accident is I started to notice these triggers. I started to be able to tell like when I would get anxious or what was making me feel, you know, um, you know, just that fear, that anxiety. And so I started just to kind of pay attention to those and write those things down. I you know, read books and articles. I checked out, like, for, I went to the university library and just was reading and reading and reading, and so, like I say, I'm very lucky I had access to those resources, um, but I think for me, too, like, it was the consistency and making myself do it more than anything because it was hard. I mean, I I was so emotional, and I didn't always know how to do it, and I felt... You know i felt crazy like i say i mean i know, i don't like saying that because i don't you know i think so many of us have mental health issues that we need to be more open and talk about but i felt like oh my god this is it i'm like losing it you know because i couldn't i just couldn't grasp with what to do so anyway sorry i'm rambling now but i i just i had to I had to journal. I had to work through it. I listened to um, podcasts. I read books. I, I did so much. I went to healing circles. I um, went to Reiki training. I I did everything you can think of. I did um, acupuncture. I did. I learned how to do polyvagal therapy. I did. I mean, like I could list off all of the things I did because I was desperate. I was
1: desperate.
0: And, you know.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the desperation is no joke, but you, you do, you have to get to this place where like, there's no other option. So you're listing off all of these things and it probably sounds like, Oh my gosh, how did she do that? But it's like, you find it right. You find the time it's important. It is vital. Mm-hmm. And you know what you said about feeling crazy. I, I get that. Cause it's like, you're working through so much stuff in your head. You're you're saying it out loud or you're writing it down and you're wondering like, what is the purpose of all of this? Why do these thoughts and ideas keep coming up? And like, I can't even think straight, but getting them out in those moments, I suppose for you, because you said like sometimes on your commute, you would do it, um, getting it out in those moments. Why is that important? Because I know like People recommend do a journal right when you wake up, whatever. Like, why is it important to get it out right when you have it?
0: For me, that was very important and it remains incredibly important. And it's one of the things I teach is because I think it's really important for us to learn how to trace where our feelings come from, especially when we're triggered, because it is so rare that it is about that moment. So like, if somebody is making you mad, like really step back, like, is it about this moment in exact time or where is this coming from? So for me, it was important for me to do that because like when I would feel anxiety, you know, if something changed, you know, like my routine changed or something comes up or I have to all of a sudden switch, I would feel like instability, you know, and I'd be like, oh God, I can't control that instability, instability, freaking out, freaking out. And so really in that moment, you know, picking up my phone or journaling, or if I can't, if I'm in a conversation, taking a moment or thinking, okay what is it, what is this feeling and recognizing where it comes from, you know, and and so it was important for me to do that in the moment so I could try to understand if it was about where I was in this moment in time, or if it was about something else. And that helped me with my kids a lot because my anxiety that I would have after the accident in particular and when I was really working on a lot of this stuff, cause I did, I mean, I'd get up before everybody else and I'd work on it or I'd have to do it when people went to bed. Cause you do, you have to do your life still, you know? So it was not easy. It was hard to find that space. And it was hard to tell my kids, no, I have to do this, you know, or sometimes it it was not easy. Um, but what happened then is because I was, you know, recognizing those triggers in the moment, I would absolutely, so if I freaked out about something, you know, I'd be like, oh, I I recognize where that comes from. I got the opportunity then to go to my kids and to be like, I want you to, I want to tell you what just happened. I would need you to know. And now they're a little older, so I was able to be a lot more transparent with them than you can if you're little kids. But even with little kids, being able to go to them and say, you know, Mommy was upset in that moment because something else in my life was hurting me and I didn't understand it at the time. And so the way I spoke to you or that tone in my voice, because sometimes you don't say anything mean, but they can feel that heightened, right? (laughs) That tone in my voice, that was nothing that you did. And that was something, and that's why it's important for us to talk about our feelings. Like I got to do that with my kids then. And that was something that I hadn't done fully. You know, I've taught them about feelings and emotions, but to really show them Okay. Then also when I feel those triggers, you're a safe person. And I, our relationship can grow now because I can share that with you and you know this about me and you can help me and I can help you understand me. And so it's, it's a lot of work again. I mean, I know we keep saying that and I don't, I don't want to deter anyone from doing that. That's not why I'm saying it. But I think like we do, we want a magic bullet. We want a quick fix. We want something, you know, we want to read somebody's Instagram story and be like, Oh God, it's going to be so easy for me too. But like, then we're setting ourselves up for failure. Then we are literally doing ourselves more damage because we're going to get all in the shame cycle of how we couldn't fix ourselves.
1: And you know, we don't need that. We, we do not need any help with shame, okay? No, right? Honestly, <laughs> I got no. myself on that, right. um, especially as a mom, okay? I don't need mm-hmm. your help. And that guilt, it's so hard. It's so hard. Like, I do. It's I
0: get it. It is awful. I mean, that's why I said to you, I'm riding in my car on my commute. You know, there's a reason for that. That right. was the
1: state I had. <laughs> right, right. That was it. That was it for the day. It only happened in small windows. Um, Yeah, so... Uh, I'm just, my whole entire mind is blown by this whole conversation because I think it's just so necessary and so freeing and, and really allowing yourself. What was like the one thing that you did that finally just said, okay, taking time back, can't give it away anymore. Can't do it. Like, do you remember that moment or do you remember like what it was and when you decided and how?
0: I remember just feeling how scary it felt to set boundaries and I still like kind of get anxious about it in terms of just being able to say no and then not even providing like a lengthy explanation or going into all these reasons why I had to apologize for it right. and just being able I mean seriously like just being able to say no or I think I said it earlier when I was just like that sounds like a wonderful opportunity it just doesn't align with where I'm at right now you know like finding specific ways to. if I didn't feel like I could just say no because sometimes for me especially if it's something I want to do or you know that I believe in it is hard for me to say no and so I think that like and it really like that was very, very difficult for me. And it was more like trying that with like even safe people. So like, that's also what I would recommend is like, I, I didn't go, it's not like I woke up and went out into the world and was like, I have all these boundaries. Look at me now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Got new boundaries. Yeah. It it was (laughs) better (laughs)
0: work in progress, you know, of, of being able to say no and to really, you know, or to, to acknowledge that I didn't want to do something or I didn't want to go somewhere, and and so I think that was a big, uh, piece. yeah.
1: Like it pains me to even think through saying no to people. Um, yeah, I would get anxiety set. when
0: people would ask me to do things because I would be
1: like, I, I mean, seriously. <laughs> especially now, like re-entering the world because we got to say no for so long. Um, because you'd just be like, well, COVID can't. No, I just said,
0: I'm like, how long can I say that?
1: How long can I use this whole physical
0: distancing thing? And like, can I just physically distance from people like forever, like without ever addressing it? And can (laughs) we
1: all agree just right now on this podcast, anyone who's listening, anyone who will listen, is that like handshakes are not coming back, right? We're not going to do them anymore. They're gone.
0: I don't think so. Okay. I think we're going to do like elbow bumps or something, right? Yeah.
1: I'm just good with them not coming back. And I have like what I think is a confident handshake, but they're just weird to me. Yeah, I can't, so I'm not going to do it. Know, I still haven't been
0: out amongst the people a lot um, yet, but <laughs> what I do think with the people I have seen that I, I notice my instinct cause I'm a hugger is I'm like, Oh, stay,
1: stay back. <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. And so that's weird too, right? Yeah. The whole, all of this has changed our connections, but you've said it a couple of times. And I, I think it's so great that you took that space to really find that stillness. And that took that time, because that was one of the things I did get frustrated with a lot of people because I have so many people in my life who constantly do this thing where they're like, we're so busy your life. And you know, it's like this, this game or competition of who can say who's busiest. Right. And so I got really mad kind of at the people I knew who like, were given this opportunity because it it didn't look like an opportunity for everyone. You know, some people lost their jobs. Some people got sick. Some people lost loved ones. You know, some people had a much difficult, more difficult space. But I knew a bunch of people who, who really, it gave them more time with their families. It gave them more time where they could have drawn inward. It gave them more time where they could have reflected or, or, or those kind of things. And they didn't. And so for me, you know, then they still wanted to complain about all those things. And so for me, that was something where I really, you know, going back to that helping people thing we were talking about too, I really had to be like, okay, but you're, you you do not want to change. Like you want to just complain about how your life looks like and what it looks like. But when you were presented a space to actually shift and to actually do something you chose not to, you know, and like you chose to busyfy yourself or find a new hobby or find do some things. And some of that's a coping mechanism. And I get that. Right. Absolutely. I get that. But some of it is also like, you know, you have to go do it even when you don't want to sometimes or when it's when it's when it feels like something that that's hard and not like you have to do it every day or show up or be on some timeline. But like, Acknowledging it. And so it was hard for me with several people I knew because I didn't want to be just this receptacle of them venting when I felt like they were throwing away an opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Right, and so right. I struggled with that because I'm like, okay, they have to get to it on their own. I can't force them into this, but I don't want, you know, it was like this weird But
1: <laughs> well, you could be doing this. You realize you could start. Um yeah. Cause everybody's gotta get there on their own. That's the unfortunate part, but. You know, COVID was a time where it was like, really, yes, it was a lot to process, but bottom line, outside of some instances, there was a lot more quiet than there ever was before. I mean, you couldn't go do things. You couldn't escape in the same ways. And I'm like you, where I saw people who I think were avoiding that space even more and they had to do it in different ways you know it had to look like this neighborhood parties or it had to look like a lot more zoom wine parties or whatever but like you need those connections but not when they are at a fault of you you know like at some point you have to kind of take all that time back just completely take it back and you can allow people back in, you can allow that space back in, but at some point you have, you have to withdraw. You do. Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the most important things that you said. It's like, you just have to drown out the noise because it's you, it's you work period.
0: Mm -hmm. You. Yeah. And I think that that's where that space, like you know, I know we joke about it, but it really did give people an opportunity. I think, or it made it easier if you had a, if you were a person who has a trouble saying no or who maybe didn't want to do things. Like in some ways, it it did give you a buffer, right, from having to do that, which is help, which can be really helpful, right? Um, and so I think that what's cool about it is so many people that I do know, then you know were able to, like I say, spend more time with their families. I have mm-hmm. friends who's, who, who got to eat dinner together and they never get to do that. And so like being able, and again, not to downplay the coping with it and the going through the stressful pieces of it. Cause obviously that is a big piece of the reality too, but to being able, I mean, this goes back to, you know, as we're going through anything, as we're going through any trauma crisis or stress, it's like, we have to acknowledge both the bad, but then see where it's also bringing us opportunities for growth, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. So that that sucked. And here's what it did to my life. And I never want my life to look like that moment again. So I can't control a lot, but what can I control going forward? Or how can I change going forward? Right. So that if I get in that space, you know, I know how to better equip myself. I'm more resilient. I know how to handle it, those kinds of things. And so it, you know, but that that goes back to everything we've said is it you have to start with an awareness and a willingness to want to look at
1: things that way. Right. And, you know? and really to just demand and acknowledge that it's possible Um, because you could be sitting in this space and go, you know, I was a a mandatory worker and that was really hard on our family and I don't want to be that again. Well, if there's change coming, if that's something that you want, you can start walking down that path. But really, what are you doing to get there? Because sitting here and saying that you want to make a change and then just continuing to say that or complain about it, right? There's like this misery factor that we all just sign up as okay with, because um, it's just easier.
0: It's it so is easier. much
1: easier. Well, and I think it's so much easier.
0: And then I think it's really scary, you know, when money's involved too. You know, any time like that, and that's where like, you know, like say I. I lost my job because I was sick and I had to cash out this retirement, which I'm thankful I even had that option. I know many people don't. And I did have insurance. I know many people don't, but it's like, it's so scary. And I think that then that feeds into everything else of those stressors and that, that insecurity. And so I think we accept a lot that we're unhappy with because of that fear. And that's something that's hard to get out of. It's hard to talk through that because you're like, okay, I don't want to be afraid, but I also need to pay my house payment. I don't want to be afraid, you know,
1: or, right. And and that's like, that's an escape, right? Like that's a scapegoat. And and it's such a common one that then Mm -hmm. we all just decide, okay, well, we -hmm. all have to pay house payments. So I guess nobody lives their dream lives except for those like really privileged people. And I, Mm -hmm. I just, I don't think that that's true. I think you have to go through a lot, right? You have to figure out a lot, but there are ways to do anything. I heard um, Gary Vaynerchuk speaking at something and he's like, a lot of people could live their dreams, but they'd also have to cut down their lifestyle, right? Like you could probably do whatever you want, but are you willing to to sacrifice that right like are you willing to sacrifice your social scene for 2 months while you work and get quiet with yourself to go through this trauma point like same with are you willing to not buy 700 dollar pair of shoes so that you can do the dream work of your life like that it all comes at a price there's always a price there's always something but just accepting the fear just Mm -hmm. accepting that it's scary and it's a big move I think holds us all back you know it's I think so too and I think also I think making it seem like it all
0: has to happen at once Mm -hmm. if you are unhappy right now then make a plan and work on it baby step by baby step. You know, it's like, you don't have to, you know, cause I, I do think it's hard, you know, when people are like, just quit and go do something else. Like I couldn't, I would not be able to do that because right. I have to support my children, you know? However, there are steps that I can take so that if I'm unhappy in certain areas that, okay, I'm working toward this other goal or if I need another stream of income, what are other things that I can do to support, you know? And so just even that mindset and that mentality of it, helps not keep you in that same, in that space. Right. And, but instead what happens so often too, is like, when we do go to other people, if they're in that mindset, then it just becomes that cycle where we're venting and we're complaining about it. Right. Cause everybody's unhappy. So it's where it does also kind of take looking at even, I, I think, I mean, obviously I'm biased cause I teach about relationships, but I think also looking at your relationships and who is, who is supporting you to that growth mindset. OK, who when you tell when you tell somebody your dream, when you say, I don't want to be in this position anymore, who shows up for you in the way that you want them to and says like, OK, like what are other things you want to do or what are your ideas or how could what would that look like for you or what's preventing you versus who says, oh, I know it sucks or you're never it's never going to be any better or who takes you down a different path, right? Because then you get to choose who you talk to about those things. You know, you get to choose, OK, this is a piece of me that's important. Who is supporting me in that? And that's, that's more power. And then that, every time you have those conversations with that person, that's going to excite you more. And so I think, like say, I'm totally biased. It's always going to come back to communication and relationships for me. But I think that that's so much of it is who can support you mentally, you know? And if you don't have those people, you can find them on social media. You can find, you know, it might not be, because so often I would do that too. I'd look around, people would be like, who's your mentor? Or do you have have somebody you talk to? And I'd get, I'd be like, no, I don't know anyone. There's no one who can help me. There's no one who has done what I want to do. Find them, find them, <laughs> like
1: find, find them. them. <laughs> find them. And you're so right. The the internet by and large, obviously gives us all this ability to like break down borders, to break down everything. Like you and me, we're best friends now. So yeah, we really um, are. You just I'm, excited I'm your best you friend now. bracelet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> but like I we started this movement, the death of a dream movement, this podcast with this idea that there's no one around me that can work through this type of thing with me. I didn't have anybody in my network. And once you start putting that out there like hey, I'm looking for people. I got no fret like I want people in this industry. This is who it it attracts, right? You, you start to find them when you stop settling with this idea that you can't because you can, you can, you just have to be willing to keep going. And that's with everything that we've talked about today, this idea of healing and getting to a better place and transitioning your life. It's Mm -hmm. worth it. Like Mm -hmm. your life is so worth the work more than any work you could put into anything else. And I think you're such a great testament of someone who did that work and now is seeing the, the payment of that work pay out in your relationships, in your job, I'm sure in so many ways, um, that you can say that, right. It's worth it.
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. It's, it's worth it. And I I mean, it, it's allowed me just to see everything in a different way. You know, I, I just, I. I'm excited. Like I said, I'm excited to do the work now in a way that I wasn't before because I know how many positive things that it's brought to my life. And I also know that I feel like I am living this intentional life and showing up authentically. And that feels good. Even when I mess up, even when I do it wrong, I get to then, and now I know I'm like, okay, here's what I did. I can, I can learn from that and I can grow from that. And that's a positive space. Mm -hmm. So even the bad days become this space that I'm growing from in a way that they didn't used to before, you know, or when I spiral, I get back up a lot more quickly because I've grown in that space and that ability to recognize, you know, that I'm, I'm learning yet too. And giving myself that
1: grace and yeah. Yeah. Grace. And I love how you said, it's just like you're, you're still gonna hurt. You're still gonna spiral. You're still gonna have low days and sad days, but you do, you get up so much quicker. You're like, oh, that's what triggered that. Oh, okay, good, go. Like I it used to just sideline me for weeks. I'd be sad and I'd be like, I can't escape this. Oh my gosh, why can't I just move, just do anything. And I'd just be going through the motions And I, I never knew what it was that was triggering it or like what, why this kept happening until, you know, you dive all the way in and start to figure it out. And everybody's journey there is different and never ending. Mm -hmm. That last part, underlined, highlighted, and (laughs) italicized, never ending. This work is never going to end. You are your life's work. You are. Right. Uh, okay. This has been so amazing. I'm not going to take up the rest of your day. Although we may just, um, we're going to become friends. That's it. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> um, so what are like three tips? If you could break down three things that really helped you to get to this place, if you could give my listeners anything, three things. Um, I think
0: the top three things I would say is, um, protect your your time and your space find find a time and a space wherever that is protect it and to be transparent sometimes that time and space is me locked in the bathroom crying on the floor and if that's what that looks like find it okay so it's a start small find five minutes find your space Second of all, learn to protect that space, okay? So you found it, that's great. Then you have to learn to protect it by telling people this is my space or no, I have a meeting, you know, say, you know, all those things. So learn to protect it, learn to protect it even when it's hard because remember that when you tell somebody else no, their reaction to your boundary, those are their feelings, okay? That should not change what you're gonna do, okay? And so, you know, finding the time, protecting the time, and then applauding yourself for that, okay? Mm-hmm. Because after you have taken the time and found the time and protected the time, like sometimes that time's gonna feel cathartic. Sometimes it's gonna feel stress- It's gonna look all sorts of different ways, right? But then remembering to thank yourself and remembering to be like, okay, I gave that space to myself and here's what that felt like. Because then that's gonna continue to encourage, you know, yourself to make it a habit. And I think making it a habit you know, we talk all the time about breaking bad habits. We can also talk about starting positive habits. Mm -hmm. So make your time for yourself, your habit, whatever that looks like to you.
1: Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So we're all going to want to find you. And I will make sure that I put this in the show notes because we're going to want to see where you're at and add you to our newsfeed. Duh. And (laughs) our like best friend little moment. Um, so where can we find you?
0: So on Instagram, it's at Dr. Cassandra LeClaire and on Facebook, same thing, at Dr. Cassandra LeClaire. My website is CassandraLeClaire.com. So
1: all of those. Oh, that's super easy.
0: Yeah. So I tried to, uh, you know, I'm a little ADHD sometimes. I can't have too many ways that you can do things. I need it the same.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, amazing. Thank you so much for coming and just helping all of us to heal and grow and demand ourselves right like work on ourselves get better um i really appreciate it and that's it hey did you know that the guest i just interviewed cassandra Leclaire, yes she wrote a book you should know this Um, It's called Being Whole, Healing from Trauma, and Reclaiming My Voice. And it is what I can only guess is a must read. I just ordered it on my Amazon. You need it too. I have everything, Cassandra, everywhere in the show notes. But in case you don't want to go there, you can listen here. You can find her at Dr. Cassandra Leclaire on Facebook and Instagram, and then you could find her on her own webpage at CassandraLeClaire.com.